Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, the co-author. The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. We do have the the advanced course out now. Came out about uh, six weeks ago or so. Theory of DFS for advanced players. It's 10 new chapters, as well as many Excel tools that James McCool has developed to... Uh, Make your process more accurate, more time efficient, more systematic. Help you build those plus EV lineups. So go over to theoryofdfs.com and pick it up. Join with me, as usual, during the NFL season every week. Neil Orfield from Stochastic, the host of the High Stakes Podcast. On the contrary, the, the ownership show. The, every, there's, every time I turn it on, there's a tournament strategy show. Every, the, you're, you're on... You're in everything, NFL-wise at least. And uh, looking at the results, DB, uh, you didn't do awful. No, I was was actually doing really well, like, all day. I actually, so I played the main slate, the main slate, I played the early slate, I played the late slate. I had sweats in all of them uh, fairly late, uh, but ended up losing money on all of them, of course. So not my best day, but also pretty close to break even, so can't complain too much. Yeah, my you you put 150 lineups into the milli. I put 40, I believe. And our 190 lineups that we played, my cash lineup beat them all. Really? <laughs> I guess that's not a surprise. I yeah, pl- I played uh... the, the the collusion lineup apparently. Uh the lineup the 221.86 whatever lineup with the uh, Allen Fournette Hall, Olave, Lockett, Godwin, Higby, Wilson, Cowboys. Uh, yeah, I won a hundred percent of my head dads. Nice. Wow. I didn't lose it. I mean, there were some ties in there, uh, but, uh, yeah, a hundred percent of head to heads. Uh, I mean, th- that lineup came in 90th place in the milli. Yeah. That's a cash lineup. That, it, it, was it duplicated in the milli? Yeah. 270 something times or whatever. Oh, well that explains why I got pushed back so much. Right. I, I mean, I didn't have it in the milli, but I'm just saying that lineup was in there. I mean, it it would it, if I would have just played that lineup in all the contests I was in, I would have like, uh, I think I would have five x or seven x all of my I I on DraftKings I had about seven thousand in uh, in entries. I would have gotten like like thirty five thousand or something. I would have like tied three ways with McLovin in like one of the power sweeps for first place. That would have been like fifteen grand. I think it tied, it tied in the red zone like three or four times, and that would have been like another like eight grand or something. Like I would have. Blender, would have, this is why you always just play your cash lineup in the high stakes. Well, I did. I play the thing I do with my cash lineup is that that like uh, noon on whenever they post like the fourteenth version of like like it's under a thousand entries, like the the five dollar huddle, four hundred and seventy man, right? Like stuff like that because of like overlay and latecomers and typically having bad lineups. I just throw, like, yeah, my cash line, I'm just throwing to every $12 Hail Mary, whatever that, okay, throw it in the $9, whatever the hell, you know, 160 whatever they throw out there. So I was able to get some returns and quintuple ups or whatever. But, uh, and then, then, I, then I lost on FanDuel on a, on a 3v3 that I switched. Uh, only, I mean, I, lo- I lost uh, like 50% on FanDuel because uh, I still won 45% of my head-to-heads. Uh, but props I crushed. So pro- I, I mean, like, like between DraftKings and FanDuel, I made like two grand on like ten thousand of volume, 
which is twenty percent nice. return. Okay, yeah, I'll take okay, that. Okay, not, not not bad. And then uh, I went nineteen and seven on props, and like all of my high value props, all hit. And nice. and and some of them are correlated, so I have like five picks on some of them. Uh so like yeah, so I I, I made like wow. I made a little over ten grand on on prize picks and underdog. So I was I was rooting from after oh, wow. the after the beginning. Nice it's like if when I my cash lineup is up there, it's like I've I'm deviating in a lot of my lineups. So it's like I have pieces of this, but not like them all together in a way. Uh, so it's just like, now I'm just rooting, I'm rooting for my remaining like four props in the, in the, the afternoon games because, you know, they're tied cause I round robin everything. So it's like when another one comes in, that's like another 1500 bucks in my pocket, like kind of, cause it's like, it, it's yeah. attached to like 20 other things. So it's like, I'm going to get a three X payout on like all of them at once. So, uh, so, so I was good there. I, and all I did with the props, Neil props, are the, props are the, are the easiest, the easiest thing. Right, I tell people this, and people still are like, like they're asking me on Fridays and Saturdays. Like, I literally, this is what I've been doing, okay? Literally, I've been doing. I do do it, do it in baseball, and now I'm doing it in NFL. NBA is going to be a little bit different beast uh, because of injury news and stuff like that. But uh, I just use the blitz statistical projections, and Cardi puts out the initial ones Tuesday night, and I just find like, is there anything that's like, is there fifty yard passing? yard props off are there rushing props 15 20 yards plus off are there receiving ones that are 15 20 25 yards off and i just like i'll write them all down and then round robin them all i spend typically takes me about maybe like for i'd, I'd what i'd uh a 20 i'd 27 but pitts didn't play so that's a dnp so you just got a refund on that yeah. uh but i mean i had 27 and to round robin them all like it took me about an hour or so a varying, nice. some are 25 bucks, some are 50 bucks, some are 75 bucks. And then I put together $25 five pick ones. And then once, once the, the flex Friday comes around, right. Cause they make it 15 X on prize picks, uh, cool. as part of the flex, I just, whatever's remaining that hasn't moved. Right. Cause by Friday, like, I mean, like literally like all the, I one like out of the 26, cause I don't count the, out of, well, actually I could say that out of the 27, one, which ones didn't, I should, I might as well count the ones that didn't move, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. So you're just looking at Cardi's projections versus the over under for a certain props. That's all you're doing. You're right. But it has to be, but it has to be a large discrepancy because you have to make okay. up yeah. for the fact two of two things and the two things that people don't get about prize picks and underdog. Like these props, you need to you need to have like a win rate of like fifty eight percent on them. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that they're a little off. And it's like imagine it was a little off and it was minus one hundred five. It's like you could you could probably get a one percent two percent edge on those if you're betting it straight with a sports book. But with you have to make these fixed parlays that pay out, you know, three x two x winnings, three uh, x payout. Yeah. Anyway, so like they have to be minus one thirty seven or better, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so you need to find where on that distribution the 58th percentile is and is it off that far. And then you also have to realize that that pro- DFS projections are are almost always mean projections and not median projections. Yeah, exactly. That's what I that's why I, I was wondering about that because I I so I can't prop bet here in Minnesota. Uh, but I'm like, well, I would definitely use Odd Shopper if I did. You know, they give actual expected ROI and percentage of time that it's going to hit. So I feel like they cover a lot of those kinds of things for you. 
Like yeah, Stochastic has stuff where you can compare it to prize picks and underdog yeah. and stuff like that also. So if you have statistical projections, you, but you have to realize the mean and medians are going to be different. That's why you need these larger discrepancies. So like if you see right. if you see a, a, a prize picks has a rushing prop of like 50 and a half and like, oh, well, I, I see 59 in the in the projections like that's not that's not big enough. Right. Because even even if it was a median projection, you're probably right at that like 58% point. But then once yeah. you factor in that you're looking at mean projections, not medians, like you're probably going to need like 64 or something to get past the line. Like I'm I'm oddballing it because I mean if you if right. you just if you do just a generality of each stat and each level of of like you, you'll get it. like you need you need probably you know around 40 50 yards on passing. You probably need at least. 12 to 15 yards on rushing and receiving. So like you're not looking for the little ones. So like the fact that remember they have, they've, they've props on underdog and, and prize picks for like everything. Right. And I compare everything and I found 27 of them and one obviously didn't play. So imagine all the ones that there's no, that there's no value in. And then once yeah. they all move and then people are like, Oh, well Saturday morning, Saturday, I bet. What do you like? I look at my, I go, I go, I like nothing. I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm fine with the Darnell Mooney at over 38 and a half, but he's now at 46 and a half. So like, right. It, it's, it's, it's gone. I mean, yeah, yeah. I liked, uh, I liked the, uh, the Devin Singletary. Like people got burned on Devin Singletary. I think he only, he, his prop opened at 40 and a half on prize picks. And then literally, I think the 24 hours later was 51 and a half. Oh, wow. And I think he ended up with like 47 rushing yards or something like that. Uh, so like those are the things that make the difference. So like uh, I, I'm, I'm doing this every week. I, 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 I've I I've done this every week in NFL. I have not lost money. Wow. I mean, that's unsustainable to never lose, I would think. I mean, obviously you're, you're not going to win money every single week, but right. uh, we're five weeks in. So that's a nice little streak. Right. And understand you have to win them all. Like, like when people, sometimes they put these things together and go, I'm going to pay four picks, three picks, five picks, you know, I'm going to find five and then put them all together. And that's it. It's like, well, you could do that, but also have a put one and two together and then one and three together. And then one, yeah. and it's like, well, I don't, if you're comfortable with like, I have $300 that I want to spend. It's like, well, just put one and two for 20 bucks and one and three for 20 bucks and one like just and then put them all five together for another 20. So you get like a little bonus extra payout if you get them all right. Right. Like so something I, like uh, that. I did kind of the opposite of what you've done is so, uh, you know, Stochastic has a partnership with Noos Advantage, which is which I learned recently that I can actually play some of these prop based contests and they have a like. They build. They can build lineups for you. They have like a multi lineup generator on the site where you choose the prop, and then you choose the whether you want the over or under. And you can say like, I have a, this much confidence in, or I can you know put it in the high confidence spots or the low confidence spots, and then it'll just make random lineups for you with the information that you put in the props. You say like, but of course I did this chasing overlay with like literally four minutes before the slate was gonna. I was like, holy shit, it's fifty percent overlay. I'm just going to go in and chase the overlay. So I went in and just like chose props at random things that I thought like eyeball look good. But then of course you still have to win them is what I found out. And I lost like every single bet that I put in was, was wrong. So it was just like, Oh, right. I still lost all of my money. Even with all that overlay, you'll lose all your money. If you right. Cause you do that in DFS sometimes. Bets. I mean, like I'll, I'll enter sure. satellites. I'll, I, I think I, I remember, I remember week two, week two, which was a bad week for me that like there was a, the soccer qualifiers, like for the, the world cup, 
Like they they do where they run these seven man ninety dollar fifty because you get a five fifty five ticket into the group stage, mega group mm. stage, whatever kind of November twentieth, whatever the first day is. Uh, and people don't play these all other other than like soccer people, I guess. And they it's very often that they run with like only three or four people in it. And on on the on week two, I found I found one with at with like two minutes to go before lock, one of seven. And it was just me and the other person. What overlay that is. Great. I still lost. I lost the head to head. So it did like right. it doesn't right. You could oh, there's a lot of overlay. I'm gonna play 150 lineups and then you, you yeah. still lose, so right? Gotta, and so gotta make good lineups. Right. You still you, yep. you still got yeah, you have a better shot. If you did that all the time over the yeah, long run, you'd be profitable, I'm sure. Right, of course. Yeah. Right. So I just I wanna highlight the the prize picks. People don't do it. I'm okay, leave it to me. I'll do it. I'll do it no problem. Uh, this past week in, uh, yesterday, right? Yesterday in NFL, yesterday. Uh, the fact that the fact that my, my, my cash lineup, uh, was the highest scoring lineup means that if you were a contrarian player, you probably did not do well. Uh, but I, I want to, I want to highlight, we'll talk a little bit about our, our decisions. Cause you went a little bit, you, you took a stand on probably an off the board game. And I took a stand on a little bit of an off the board game. Uh, you got there more than I did. Uh, but yeah, I'll I'll bring this point up after we talk about this. Uh, sure. Did you did you expect the Brady stacks to be as owned as they were? Because I did, and I purposely, uh, I I went the no brainer route. I to me, thirty percent of my lineups, like dude. The re- main reason I don't like playing chalk bills is because they uh, Josh Allen spreads the ball out more than people think, mm-hmm. right? They go to all these pe- could be anyone who knows. Uh, Knox is out, McKenzie's out, Crowder's out. Like they got practice squad. They basically got Diggs, Davis, Shakir, a practice squad guy, Quentin Morris at tight end. I mean, like they yep. they really don't got anyone, and. Other than Diggs and Davis, they're all cheap. So, like, yep. they have the highest implied total on the slate at home. It's the Bills that have that run, like, like 78% passing plays, and they typically are still throwing the ball up four touchdowns in the third quarter. Yeah. Uh, why aren't I just jamming in Bills stacks? And truthfully, most of them didn't even have runbacks. Like, like, they either had Pickens or Frymouth primarily, but, like... Dude, if everyone's going to braid these Brady lineups, like just give me Allen plus Diggs plus Shakir. Or I didn't play Diggs and Davis together, but I played like Diggs and Shakir, Davis, Shakir, Quentin Morris yep. and Davis, quite like some yep. single Terry's. Right, some single Terry lineups mixed in. And I just like, I'm just Yeah, Allen Al, the Bills are gonna be owned. It's not like it's not like, oh my, you're off the board. It's just like I I think the disparity between the Buccaneers and the Bills was going to be so wide that like I think I think these bills are underowned. I think and on a, yeah. on any other slate, if you if you priced up Brady to like sixty eight hundred, Godwin to sixty seven hundred, and Evans to seventy four hundred, I think especially when McKenzie goes out and he gets Shakir there, I I think it I think everything goes to Allen. I think it was just like like if yep, Fournette probably. was seventy eight hundred instead of sixty nine hundred, it's just a matter of like multiple Buccaneers were underpriced, so people just like I'm just jamming them in as much as possible, 
And I just said, well, I'm just going to take the highest team total team and shove it, shove it down your ass. And of course you needed the right pieces around that yep. to, to get there. But so my, I, I did do the run back, which was a big mistake. Well, I mean, what was your main run back? Was it Pickens? It, I mean, it was whoever, whoever the, uh, whoever the optimizer gave me, but it was right. primarily Pickens or Frymuth, occasionally Deontay Johnson, uh, I think a couple with Chase Claypool. So it was a mix mix of different guys. Okay, which isn't bad or anything. It's just that I no. I, I, I don't force in runbacks. I didn't force in runbacks with the with the Buccaneers either. When I would I would play Brady lineups, Brady lineups with no with no London or no. I would have a little bit of Zacchaeus or something like that. At least he's lower yeah. owned. Like you don't you don't need to do that. No, um, you don't. But it, so I mean, so, so my my thinking was well, there's a 14 point spread. If the Bills are going to be playing trying to score at all in the fourth quarter. It's probably because the Steelers have at least scored a couple touchdowns. And, you know, it, it was a decision point. I, we talked about a lot on the shows this week, whether you really needed to. And I, at the time I was saying, I think I'll probably do some with the run back, some without, probably do a mix. But then of course, Sunday morning, you know, I have limited time. I didn't want to spend the time doing multiple different lineup sets. So I ultimately just said, screw it. I'm just going to have the run back here. I'm not going to worry about like groups or anything like that. I'm just going to say yes to the run back as a decision I made, which of course I regretted in retrospect. Um, but what are you going to do? Yeah. I don't even think of, well, if they're going to do whatever, just like, are the bills going to put up five touchdowns? Just give them to me. Like kind of sure. like, you know, you know, that, 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 that meme that you see on Twitter with the, the normal distribution curve with like the middle the, of like, Oh, the well, what? they the, need me yeah, pushing yeah. whatever. And then you see like, just bills, like, Bills Burr put up a lot of points and like the other Bills <laughs> score regardless of when it like I'm just like, yeah. like and I guess Bills, I'm the guy in the middle right the Bills will only score points if Pittsburgh scores points yeah right and the same thing with the Buccaneers it's just like just okay they just throw it but whatever but the, the game yeah. that I was way over on was uh, the game that ended up with the lowest score <laughs> always fun yeah. when that happens always fun when you're playing Trevor Lawrence Christian when Christian Kirk has a six percent target share in a game Right, it's always oh, it's really always fun him? when Brandon Cooks is sitting there with three catches on sixteen yards, right? It's 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 always fun when you see a lot of those lineups, especially with lineups that have like like five percent on running backs that have thirty plus points, and you're like, what could have been, what could have been? But I thought where you went was I I truthfully think it was sharp. I didn't get there as much because I was focused so much on do I go to another game like that. Or do I just make this a Josh Allen lineup? <laughs> like, like it just came down to like I just want these Josh Allen lineups. Just jam in the Josh Allen lineups, especially in in the in the, in the weaker fields. They're not going to react to the clear Sha- Shakir uh, Isaiah McKenzie news. Yeah, so like I'm just jamming. But I totally was. I said on the Game Theory podcast uh, on the show on Roto Grinders, it's like I'm. I have the three overs. Like my I. The three blitz overs that I had in a correlated five picks were Fields, Mooney, and Komet. So I'm like, why don't I just, they're playing in Minnesota. Maybe this is the game that the Bears actually have to pass, right? Yeah. The Vikings don't are, are pass first now more than, than yep. you think. So Not a great defense for the Vikings. Right. So why can't I just play Fields, Mooney, Komet, Jefferson? Yep. Or Cook in that left. So I think I had one or two of those types of lineups, but you... I mean, you, you, that was you, that was if, if, yeah, you, your number one stack was Josh Allen, right? Based yep. on exposure and everything like that. But like, you like your next, you had cousins, 15% cousins and 11% field. So like a quarter of your lineups were focused around that game. And truthfully, even though I, I 
sacrifice. All of that went because you had 16% Josh Allen and I had like 30% Josh Allen. So basically, I just took all of that. Would and have said, that. Right. Yeah. I'm just like, let, let me just bore it into Josh Allen. But yes, and, and I, I, th- I think uh, that game was exceptionally underowned. Uh, especially like, I mean, you have Justin Jefferson, you have Dalvin Cook, you have you have guys. Darnell Mooney could break one. You got you got people that that the game could blow up, yeah. uh, and and it did much more than the Texans Jaguars game. Sure, right. Fine, yeah. I mean, you must have been you must have been happy when Justin Jefferson has like a hundred yards in a quarter. Yeah, right. The problem is he just didn't score the touchdown. I mean, he he got down. They called it a touchdown initially, and it got called back. Like he needed to do. A, Nobody did quite enough to like break the slate like uh, like Gabe Davis did. I mean, Cook had two touchdowns, but I think he had two more opportunities for touchdowns. So he had 26 fantasy points, which is great at 7,300, but uh, could have been so much more. And Jefferson, I guess Jefferson had 33 fantasy points. So I guess that does that is kind of slate breaking. Um, but I, I feel like there could have been more. The, the Vikings were a little bit more spread out in the scoring so that nobody, other than I guess Jefferson to an extent, uh, nobody really was slate breaking. Right, because there's not much to say about like your just overall. You you were were you were you shocked to see the ownership of uh, the the New England running backs? Uh, I think I was with the field there, so yeah, I mean, yeah. you ended up a little over the field, but I mean, yeah, it was it was the matchup with Detroit. Yeah, I expected them to come in a little bit lower owned, although we we did have them both projected for double digit ownership, so mm-hmm. you know it was about where where we projected them to be. I guess I was kind of wishful thinking with a lot of moving parts at running back that people would go down to Tyler Allegier or, you know, go to these, some other spots. I was hoping the ownership projections were a little bit off because I thought, you know, the spot against Detroit was so good and people typically don't love playing the the split backfield. So I thought maybe the ownership projections were off. So, I mean, I, I can't say I was too shocked given that they were right around where we had them projected. Um, a little bit, I guess a little bit over. We had Harris at 12.5%. He came in at 18%. We had Ramondre at 14%. He came in at 17 So, um, not shocked, but yeah, it was, uh, I would have preferred that they came in a little bit lower. And the, 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 the play, the play of the day, the, the talked up play of the day, which I, I had, I don't know. I don't even know if I have a single lineup with him. Uh, James Robinson, 21% owned in the Millie. He was like the 16th salary adjusted value player in, in 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 industry aggregated projections and good I, I i that's why i listen to stuff i uh my my aggregate ownership was was 6 i just made that 16 he came in at 21 uh these these are these are the players that i just i i i, I don't get why sharper people play because they, it doesn't even reflect it in the projections. Like I, I don't, I don't like Penny last week was at least like ninth in the running back. Like if you sorted by RGV or salary adjusted value, it was ninth. It's like, okay, sure. That that's within the realm of, you know, whatever. Okay. I get it. And he's also, he's also cheap and allowed you to do a lot of other stuff. But James Robinson was 6,300. Why is he, what dude, Leonard Fournette was 14%. I had Leonard Fournette at 24. My ownership was 24 on him. And I'm like, I ended up with like 27% of it. It's like, how do I temper down my Leonard Fournette lineups? Not realizing that, dude, I, I maybe I should have had him in half my lineups if I knew he was only going to be 14% owned. That's I mean, true. like James, the, the highest owned running backs, the highest owned running backs on 
let me let me get out of your exposures. The highest exposed, the highest owned running backs in the milli. Okay, number one, James Robinson, twenty one percent. Number two, Damian Harris, seventeen. Number three, Stevenson, seventeen. Number four, Nick Chubb, sixteen. Then Jeff Wilson, 16. Then Fournette, 14. Then Kamara, 14. And, and I'm looking going, dude, the two best rejected plays are Fournette and Kamara. Yeah. Like, like what? Like, <laughs> why am I? I'm building lineups going, well, I need to b- play someone different because I have Kamara or Fournette in my lineup. And it's like, no, actually, it should have been uh, since I played zero Chubb and zero right. Robinson that I shouldn't even care about the running back ownership at all because... Yeah. This is ridiculous. And also, just to show the, dis- the disparity here, okay? And this is the, the, the general topic that I, I kind of wanted to talk about today, which we've talked about before. If I look at the difference, I, now I'm looking, I, I'm in results DB looking at the Wildcat. Okay. Okay, which is still, it, it's. I'm not looking at single entry stuff. So it's still a multi-entry contest, but it's a 333, so it's, it's sharper, right? Yeah. Uh, here's the own, here's the, the ownership. Okay. So we had the Millie. Okay. Robinson, 21, Harris, 17, Stevenson, 17, Chubb, 16, Wilson, 16, Fournette, 14, Kamara, 14. Okay. So the highest owned running back in the Wildcat was Jeff Wilson Jr. At 26. He was 16 in the Millie. Then Leonard Fournette, 23, right? He was 14 in the milli. Kamara was the third one, 21% owned. He was 14 in the milli. Then Stevenson and Harris, 17 and 16. So that's very similar. Then Dalvin Cook at 15 in the Wildcat. He was 11 in the milli. Then Brees Hall was 13 in the Wildcat, and he was nine in the Millie. And then we get to James Robinson as 11%, which is much yeah. in line with projection. That is much more appropriate, but he was yeah. 21 in the Millie. And Nick Chubb in the, was 8.9% of the Wildcat, but 16.8 in the Millie. So I'm looking at this like going like, the ownership in the Wildcat is more of what I expected. Like this yeah, is, this is like, okay, like what I was expecting too. Right. This is what yeah. I expected. And then in the Millie, you get like all of this inefficient shit that happens because of casual, much more weaker opponents and everything that I get. Cause I, I, I listened to the, to the review show, the stochastic mm-hmm. review show. And a lot, a lot of you guys, not, maybe not you, uh, jammed the shit out of Brady Right, yeah, played a shit, shit ton of Brady stacks, but the thing, the thing is, is that like, what's been in football for these large for the milli, and I'm talking about milli, the play action. I mean, really large field stuff, weak opponents, not the slant. Uh, the 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 quote best projected plays are just are, are just never owned enough, are just yeah. not used enough. That's the true. Wildcat that could be that's true, they are used enough, but in these milli contests, and then. The the ta- the the non projected chalk is way higher in the milli than in like the yeah. wildcat. So 
like guys that, Robinson being, being your example there. Yeah. Right. Robinson and Chubb. I mean, to me, both of them in, in, in general, I mean, just if you, yeah. if you, if you were to listen and, and see mainstream content over the past week, the two most talked about running backs, I would say the three, the, the three most talked about running back situations. This is what was talked about. Okay. Uh, the Jaguars are seven-point favorites, and the, based on the first two games, when they have a lead, they just hammer James Robinson. Right. Okay. Well, that's assuming they have a lead. I mean, still the Jaguars. So you're yeah. assuming too much. Too much, and you're also not taking into account that they got Travis at the end there, also. Yeah. That is much more talented. Uh and then the second talking point that I heard on some stuff and read on some stuff is the Lions rushing offense is so weak that in mainstream content, people were like, at their prices, maybe I could play both of them in my lineup. Okay. Okay. So I guess I need to start listening to some some more mainstream content. Right. And then the third then, you, know, you, know, you know what the, the, the other talk the, the third biggest talking point at running back. Nick Chubb, right? Every, mainstream people love playing Nick Chubb, right? Yeah. If he's in a good spot, if they're favored and they're good spot, oh, high total. The Chargers, what's the narrative on the Chargers? We'll let you run the ball five yards at a time as long as you don't beat us in the past. Like, that's the narrative. It's factored in the projections. Chubb barely gets any receiving work and he splits half the backfield touches. That's why he never projects well from a median standpoint. And most sharp players don't have Nick Chubb. In their right. lineups most weeks. And he's always owned. If he's 4% owned, that's, I had a ton of Derrick Henry. But I'm fine with Derrick Henry at low ownership. Not Nick Chubb at, at 16% owned or anything. And then the other talking point was uh, Rashad White. With the Buccaneers. Sure. Is Lenny going to get Lenny all the work? Is whatever all that? So it's like, so you heard a lot of, maybe uh, I'm going to fade Fournette and play Robinson. Or, play, or go up and play Chubb. Now, if you listen to sharper shows, such as ones on on Roto Grinders and Stochastic, you would hear it's it's a weird thing, Neil. You have to you have to listen to these things in context. They're bubble. These we have bubbles here. Yep. Okay. So if you're just contained to the mainstream content bubble, you're not you're you're typically someone that does not have access to projections. Right, typically does not subscribe to a site of any type. Doesn't build your own. You're you're reading Yahoo Sports and CBS, whatever. You're listening to the fantasy footballers, which I mean, they're fine. They're they're a mainstream fantasy football podcast. But you're looking for the best plays. You have no numbers to go with anything. You're just a, a wide receiver, cornerback matchups and DVOA garbage that doesn't matter. And then if you pay attention to that content, people are like, well, Fournette's good, but maybe maybe. You hear Robinson Chubb, the New England running backs, and that type of stuff. Yet in our bubble, where we're just like, dude, you do a first look show, and we're just like, oh, let's look at the initial project. This guy projects well. This guy projects well. This guy doesn't project as well as I thought he would. And like, that's what a lot of the content is in our bubble because we are already we are looking at what the models are saying, and then yeah. trying to come up with things of like, well, his median projection is low, but there's here's a way that. Maybe his projection is fragile. 
And then yeah, we're we going around the projections and the ownership projections. We're working right. around the data that we have and trying to figure out narratives of, you know, whether we like it or not, but using that as a starting point. Right. So we're, we're looking and going, well, James Robinson doesn't really project that well, but his projection is kind of fragile depending on how much work uh, the backfield gets and how, how much of a lead the Jaguars will have. So maybe if the Jaguars get a two touchdown league and, and Robinson has one of those, Touchdowns, he's, he sees 25 carries or something. And our ownership says that he's going to be 6% owned. So like, why? And why does the ownership say that? Because he doesn't project well. I mean, like, yep. we're in this bubble. And then Nick Chubb never projects well. And, he, and he's still always 6 to 8% owned at minimum. So it's like he never gets into any lineup. And then I see that when he's 16%, I'm like, oh, I'm glad I didn't play zero. I, I, that's why I played zero of them. Yeah. But it's all based on the bubbles that we're in. So our leverage plays in our bubble may end up be the chalk play in the in, in another in another bubble, right? Yeah. I'm sure there there's there's a bubble out there that was like uh Alvin Kamara uh is not is not getting the you know, well, he's not the same Alvin Kamara that with Drew Brees. And not taking smart to, enough to play Taysom Hill instead. Right. Yeah, of course. <laughs> on FanDuel, you could have. Yeah. Yeah, but not on, not on DraftKings. You're not, you're not going to give not up a quarterback, quarterback spot, right? Yeah. But but do, do you get what I'm what I'm saying is that in like the Millie-type yeah. contests, the play action, the more weaker field contests, ownership is much more subject to like casual narratives yeah. Well, if you played like the slant or you're playing small field stuff or the spies or the power sweeps that. Yeah, that's where that's where James Robinson may be worth playing at 11 percent dome, but like at 21, I mean, you're just I played Dame, I played Damian Harris in some lineups thinking that he was leverage off of Ramondre Stevenson because Stevenson easily projected better than him. And yeah. I figure that. Most people, most smart people at least, are not dumb enough to play two two running backs from the same team yeah. in the lineup because that totally eats ceiling from each other. Yeah, from a median standpoint, sure, you could do that, but not from a ceiling standpoint. So I'm like, well, based on these projections, I, I'm assuming Stevenson's going to be 20% owned and Harris is going to be 10% owned. So I'm going to play Harris as leverage on Stevenson and not realize that Harris actually came in more owned because people thought they that 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 meme... People thought it's like Patriots have lead, Damian Harris run ball, right? Like he's the guy that, you know, Stevenson catches more passes, but Damian Harris is the one, oh, they're up three touchdowns, which is going to give it to him every play, especially with yeah. Bailey Zappi at quarterback. So like you see these narratives there and like the projections weren't bad on either of them, but like Jeff Wilson Jr., it's like Jeff Wilson Jr. is a projection play. That's not a sexy yeah, 49ers running back. Like, oh, I, I I mean, I heard it. I heard it on podcasts. I know Jeff Wilson got like 97% of the work last week, but it's Kyle Shanahan. They got juice check there. Debo, like this historical 49ers narrative of like, they don't really give one person the ball. Mm-hmm. So like, just, it doesn't matter that his price is only 5,500. Yeah. If he was 7,500, that yeah, I get it. Right. So you hear that, and then then you get like Damian Pierce. It's like Damian Pierce is the second coming of everything. It's like, dude, we have a sample size of four games, right? So, yep. I think being a, being aware of the bubbles, 
I think that's the is that the name is that the name of the podcast this week? The bubble. I like it. The bubbles. Let's go with it. Yeah, I think. I mean, you, you've always, you've obviously always been pretty good at uh, checking around the industry, looking at projections and ownership projections around the industry. And apparently, I need to to listen to some more mainstream stuff to get a better idea of what other people are thinking. Obviously, the the footballers, as you say, is a great example of that. I'm in some group chats where, I, where we just talk a lot of football, and those guys are super into the the footballers and. I don't know. I've never really gotten into it, but but they love it. So maybe maybe I need to listen to it just to know, because definitely I can hear when I talk to just friends of mine who are casual at this, like it does influence them a lot. Like just the what they say on that show, they're always bringing up. Well, the baller said this, the baller said that. And it's uh, it's the most does. it's the most listened to fantasy football podcast. Yeah. So maybe maybe it is worth it for me to listen to it just from that perspective of this is what other people are thinking right now. Right. So I go, I I. I get a, a notification. I get an email of like the, the Yahoo Sports articles and everything. Am I reading it for like information? No, I'm just skimming through and going okay, okay, and then going on another tab, okay, whatever. And I'm reading all the. I'm, I mean, I read the stochastic articles. I read the I'm the RG stuff. I'm that's what I do throughout the. I mean, that's what I mean. I have podcasts on all the time, so I'm just like, am I doing anything scientific? No. Am I going? Oh well, I'm tallying it up here or no? I'm just like over the course from Tuesday through Saturday, just getting a sense of because I'm doing what? What are they talking about? Because I'm not going to change. I'm not changing the player projections, right? Yeah. I'll change the ownership projections. Then I look at the ownership projections and I go, Do the people making these ownership projections know? Does the algorithm behind this know that everyone and their mothers talked about James Robinson, especially in mainstream? podcast and then you look at the, the the non-mainstream stuff and it's like james robinson's the leverage play i'm like this is bump them up bump them up bump up these new england backs i always bump up nick chubb at least two or four two to four percentage oh it projected six percent on no ten percent on like that, that, that there's no way but the things that i got wrong were like like fournette and camara i had both over 20 percent projected owned and that's the reason why i played a shit ton of derrick henry Right? right, that was the main reason. I mean, that Derrick Henry first off, Derrick Henry could get fifty points in any game. Right, he's Derrick yeah. fucking Henry, and I don't think people, I don't think models, uh, unless ones that that regress much more recent data, realize that Derrick Henry is getting as much pass catching work as Dalvin Cook. Yeah, as getting as as much, not as much as Kamara, not as much as Fournette, uh, but at, I mean. Getting more than some of the guys that, I mean, not as much as McCaffrey, but definitely more than like Antonio Gibson or Najee Harris or James, even James Conner. Or I mean, like, like dude, heck, Henry probably. I mean, I'm I'm pulling numbers out of my ass. I wouldn't be surprised if if Henry is top five in uh, running back receiver target share. Target share in top right because who do the Titans have to throw the ball to? Well, yeah, nobody. Right, so and they and they design anytime I see uh, Henry on red zone, on on some type of fifteen yard play, it's always this design screen or inside something that a normally a tight end would run, and it's like these aren't dump offs, like these aren't like oh Tannehill goes back looks for a couple of receivers and then Henry's there to catch the outlet. It's like no, no, they he was the first read, so to me that screams like I I hope people still think that Derrick Henry is this. Is Nick Chubb is the one kind of one dimensional type of running back, which I'm still fine with because 
he can bust off 180 yards. Right. So you can yeah, still play him at that bonus. point. Yeah, I mean, uh, and Nick Chubb had a, had a period last year where he was very involved in the passing game early on, and then they kind of went away from it later on in the season. So there's that slight concern. But, uh, yeah, if, if he's going to continue to be this involved in the passing game, which maybe he's more likely this year, especially with Traylon Burks out, definitely uh, an interesting play. Of course, I went, I made the mistake of trying to play some of those receivers from that game, the Kyle Phillips and Nick Westbrook-Akine, and I think went to some Austin Hooper, uh, and those all, they all sucked. I was, didn't get anything. <laughs> I think Westbrook Bikini had one long play, but in general, not a great yeah, play. Yeah, I, I played I played some Robert Woods. I think I may have had one lineup with Kyle Phillips in it, maybe. Uh I mean he was in my he was in my pool. He was he was available to be in lineups, at yeah. least. Uh but yeah, it would the the way the, the way my exposures were outside of the Texans Jags game, I feel like I mean, dude, my dude, the Millie winning lineup was a two v two off of my cash lineup. I mean, if if you replace Chris Olave with Gabe Davis, and you replace Tyler Higby with Kate Auden, that's the lineup. Yep. And the that lineup is absolutely like if that was someone's cash lineup, I'd be like, Gabe Davis is an interesting choice for for cash games at sixty four hundred, but he correlates with Allen, right? I yeah. mean, like. Like you'd look at that lineup and go, if you played that in like a single entry, if you played that in the spy, I'd be like, okay, perfectly, perfectly fine, perfectly fine lineup there, right? And then you didn't even have to play Godwin. You could have played Olave instead of Godwin because Godwin. I think the lesson to be learned is just just play cash lineups. Oh yeah, that yeah, that's the takeaway. Just play cash lineups. They just project so well. Weeks like this, they just crush everything. But I, but but the, the point that I was making before, I think people. In the weakest fields, because we're going to be coming up to NBA, and it's it's why why doesn't it apply? People think in terms of NBA like that. I mean, at least sharper players, right? And I think I think the sharpest players in DFS for the weakest fields think like that also. Because I mean, I remember talking. I mean, I did a show with Brandon Adams for what two or three years, and mm-hmm. a lot of times he would say that in the largest field contests, like. Like you're overthinking it. It's like just capitalize on other people's mistakes. It's like you want to do that in the in the smaller or the mid fields or the sharper field. All bless you. Like say he says that's absolutely good. I mean, agrees with me completely. But he said, but yeah. on these like mega mega large field with weak weak field casual opponents, it's like they make bad lineups. Just make just make the just make the best yeah. lineups. That doesn't mean you're making cash lineups, but it's I mean, like. Yeah, there's definitely some, uh, like like Chris Godwin yesterday to me was an example of a play that was like he projects so well I'm getting him everywhere, but should I just play him everywhere because the field we don't have him projected for that much ownership and he clearly just projects so well. Um, yeah, we we definitely see some examples of that, but uh, I feel but like. But you see are... it in but Neil, you see it in NBA. I mean, like, dude, yeah. how often? I mean, you'll take a look at some slates where injury news happens, and all the shot you go like like some. There'll be like two guys that or one there'll be one guy that like you do a cross section on results DB or lineup rewind or whatever, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna look at these 12 sharp players exposures. And across the board on 12, you like it's like 96. Some people it's a hundred, some people it's 98.2%, right? Of this one like of this one guy. Yeah. And it's like, what was his own? But why did they just jam the chalk? Yeah, because he was only 73% owned. Yeah. And then you go, what do you mean by only? It's like, 
Yeah, because he should have been ninety percent owned. Like, well, especially especially with late swap, late, late swap though. I guess even before late swap, there are scenarios where there's like a four thousand uh, dollar point guard who you should be playing in every lineup. But then, especially with late swap in NBA, it's just like you just know not enough people are going to react, so you just jam in whoever projects well. But you know that before and active late. But Neil, Sometimes. you know that before. In the, I'm talking about the weakest fields. Like sure. if you're okay. playing the smaller field, if you're playing mid-sized field, if you're playing sharper field, mid-stakes, higher stakes, I could see going like, well, in these fields, this guy may actually be 90% owned, right? Like he's at he's at equilibrium. Maybe, maybe, maybe that, maybe now it's more viable to not play them and get the big projection sacrifice. But like, you have to take a look at some of these ownerships and go, Fournette at 14% is under-owned and Kamara's 14 is under like. Like, dude, if I had I known this ownership, like you would have saw my lineups and be like, wow, chalk donkey. Right? But it's like, right. but it's not the chalk. Robinson and the and Robinson, Chubb, Harris, and Stevenson, they were the chalk. And my cash lineup has Fournette, Wilson, and Hall in it. And I could have yeah. played Kamara, right? So like, like those, like, dude, it ended up that the cash lineup was under was underowned. When typically you'd look in any other time and go, well, I obviously can't play this in GPP. It's like, well, you can play the parts of them in GPP. I mean, like, I'm never under, I'm never like, like X out chalk or anything. It's just that you play them much more precise. You know, you try to build around. But yeah. for these large fields, I mean, I'm looking at this ownership going, I would have just jammed the fuck out of Fournette. I would have just jammed the fuck out of Kamara. I would have just jammed yeah. the fuck out of some of these people. And, yep. and 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 I would have looked. I would have looked at the the Josh Allen lineups, and I I look at the let's let's look at the team. Okay, filter by team. This is the Millie. I'm gonna go Buffalo in the Millie, and I'm gonna do the Buffalo in the in the Wildcat. Okay, so in the Wildcat. Okay. Yep. Uh, Allen fourteen percent. Dig seventeen. Shakir thirteen. Gabe Davis five. Okay, those are the main pieces, I guess. In the Millie, Allen was 12, right? So 2% point less. Diggs was 17, so he was about the same. Gabe Davis was actually higher owned, seven. And that's probably because of projections because Davis never projects well because he doesn't get that big of a target share. Uh, Khalil Shakir is 13.8 in the Wildcat. He was 8% in the Millie. So that's a dramatic enough difference that like, why aren't you just jamming in Alan Diggs, Shakir, David? Why would, I mean, like, yeah, like people are overthinking that type in the Millie. Like I said, if you're not playing the, if you're not playing large field stuff, because I don't even consider this for the slant, the slant. Like if I went to the slant, do we have the slant up here? Yeah, the slant. So let me take a look at the slant because of its flatter payout structure. And there's more, there's, there's only 26,000 entries into it. And a lot of people won 50. So like, this tends to be a much sharper field. If we go to the running back position and let's take a look at the, yeah, here's the running back position for the slant. Ownership wise, Wilson, 21, Kamara, 21, Fournette, 21, Stevenson, 17, Harris, 14, Hall, 13, Cook, 13, Robinson, 13, Nick Chubb, 8. Right, it's like flipped completely. Yeah. And then you go to the Buffalo lineups, 
And you go Diggs 15, Allen 13, Shakir 12, Davis 6. So it's like much more efficient, like the much more efficient yeah. in the in the slant because it's it's a sharper field and less less casual participation, I guess, even though it's a nine dollar contest. So I think, you know, I'm fine taking a look at some of these sharper, sharper MME players that are just like, I'm digging it. Like, I'm just going to jam chalk and I'll build different lineups for the Wildcat. I'll buy different lineups for whatever. But even in NFL, that's high, much higher variance. Now, obviously the Godwin and Evans, like the Brady stack was over-owned. I'm not sure anyone predicted that Godwin would be 27 and Mike Evans would be 23 and Fournette would only be 14. But like I... The, the 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 heuristic of yeah people in the millie just play really bad lineups on average so why don't i just as long as there's correlation and some amount of 2v2 some amount of relative value yeah just i'm jamming 150 lineups with you know just chalk combinations and do you think this go. week was an outlier though i mean i so I, I totally take your point that if the field is going to be you know, under owning the top plays. I don't know if that happens every week. I think there are weeks where the chalk is just terrible and like people, people way overeat the guys that project well. Um, but I, I also think that to some extent, you know, the ownership projections were pretty spread out this week. We didn't have anybody who was projected for like 40% ownership. I think that when we get those really high ownership projections, that's when it's more likely that, you know, the casuals are also seeing that and eating that ownership more often than not. So I don't know if this was, a total outlier, but I think that there was maybe more discrepancy here than there usually is in terms of the field just uh, not playing the, the top projected plays. Did you see the pricing for this coming week? I haven't looked at it yet. Oh, you're going to look at it and go, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be a GPP player's dream. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be a cash player's nightmare and a GPP nice. player's dream. Uh and people think the opposite, okay? When you look at the pricing, you're going to think the opposite. You're going to go, wow, it's going to be so easy to build a cash lineup. But that's not... The best weeks for cash players are when the pool of players is small, okay? So, like, if if you're... Like, this past week, truthfully, on DraftKings, there weren't many cash lineups to play, right? It's like you chose one of a couple, and you probably scored somewhere between 180 and 221, Right? Uh, and then you're entering double ups and playing head to heads and you're just waiting for people to make mistakes, right? Those are the best cash weeks, the weeks where it's like, I don't like my lineup. I need to use this $4,100 player just to fit in anything that looks decent. More of the field is going to dupe that, that are sharp. And then the people that are off that lineup are typically making very significant mistakes. So like Mm -hmm. you, most people look at those weeks and go, wow, it's really tough to build a cash lineup. Right? I really have to make concessions. I'm not comfortable. And then a lot of people think that's the GPP week of like, it's like, no, that means it's efficient, more more efficient pricing. And efficient pricing is very, very bad for GPPs because as long as you spend all your salary, your lineup is not going to be that much different from other people's lineups. This coming week, it's like they took last week's pricing and just never changed it. Like, The amount of line, like I tried to build a cash lineup based on, I'm obviously I don't even have projections, but just based on the, on the, on the totals that we have now and the, the positions, it's like, dude, I could, I, I could probably make 20 lineups that would say this is a really pretty good cash lineup. 
and it has multiple different players in it. It like has all different players in it. I can play Josh Allen. I can play I can play Brady. I can play Geno Smith in this line. I can play I can play seven different running backs. It seems like there's like it seems like like six or seven running backs are like five hundred to a thousand too cheap, and then there's like five or six wide receivers that seem five or a thousand too cheap, and it's like so uh, my pool of players for cash is going to be like instead of being like seventeen players, it'll be like twenty eight players, which means whatever I'm going to do this three v three, and maybe I, I lose by sixty points. I mean, like it'll be one of those weeks where you look at the lineups that win in cash and go, yeah, that's completely, completely viable. I I get that uh, I could have played that lineup also, but I chose this one because the projection difference. You're going to see I'm going to run the top twenty optimals. And see mm-hmm. that, like, the top 20 are, like, 4v4s of each other. I mean, like, like the top, that's what wow. I expect. But that also means that in GPPs, there are a lot more combinations of players for you yeah, to use. That project well. That project well, right. And then there'll also be a lot of players that, compared to that group of people, that project significantly worse. Which means, yeah, maybe you don't play all of these 28 players in this box, but maybe you mix in one of those, one or two of those in there, and then still primarily build around these 28 because the ownership should be spread out enough that you're not like building around a 35% owned running back. Unless, right. unless something gets talked, unless Saquon Barkley at 7,700, all of a sudden appears as everyone's top play or Joe Mixon at 6,900 is you like, one of those guys is going to be like, de facto, you got to play them. And the other guy is going to be like, that's the pivot. And you have to decide what the ownership is going to be. Is it going to just steam one way or steam the other way? Like, it's going to be one of those weeks. Dude, I think you could I, th- I think you could plug in whatever you played in cash this past week is probably a good cash lineup for the, this coming week. Like, literally. Like, I, could, I, think, I, think, I, I think everyone that I, is on the slate... I think I could play my cash line, my Allen, Allen Hall. Uh, Allen. Like Wilson's up to 52, uh, 6,200. Like you play Lockett's still 5,600. Godwin is like 6,100. Like they didn't really move anyone. Olave, if he's back from concussion, he's still what his price is. I mean, like Higby's 4,600 and not 4,300 now. Oh. So you can't play, doesn't look like you're going to be able to play the exact same lineup. No, no. But I mean, but it looks almost like it looks like you, you're looking at, I see you. You're looking at the price right now. I'm looking at, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm actually entering exactly your lineup to see what, what comes out if I can play everybody. Allen Hall, Wilson Godwin, Lockett, Higby. Uh, I'm trying to think who else here. Wide Olave, receiver. Godwin. Oh, yeah, Olave. Who might not even be in Fournette. the right now. Like Fournette got a price bump to 7400 yeah, so let's see. Yep, can't play it. Now we only have $600 left over for the defense. Right. You're going to have to make some concessions here. Right. But the difference is that if you look at FanDuel's pricing, it's much tighter. Like, usually it's the other way around. Of like, oh, FanDuel, you can kind of play whoever you want there. And yeah. it's like, no, it seems like DraftKings this week is play whoever you want. I look at FanDuel and go, yeah, I don't, I, I would put together a cash line. I've been like, yeah, I'm going to have to make a concession somewhere at one of these spots in order to fit something in that, is somewhat reasonable. It's also Monday and probably something will change by the time by game day, there's going to be an injury that's going to change affect who you want to play in your lineup anyway. Well, it depends on what, like if Connor's out, 
Do we all play Eno Benjamin? Then we have also pennies out. Is is Kenny Walker going to yeah. be, you know, value du jour? I mean, depending on that backfield, I'm not sure if that's going to project as well as people think because uh, they have DJ Dallas there anyway. Uh, Travis Homer. Right. But I think, no, Travis Homer's on the IR. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Right. But I mean, yeah, you're right. There are these, there, there are other situations that come out, but it, just in general, you look and I go, wow, there's a lot of people that, that, seem underpriced based on like, like the same people we looked at this past week are like, well, Tyler Lock is only 5,600. Got to play him. He's, he projects well. And then the next week it's like, oh, he's 5,600 again. Like why wouldn't he project this to be the same as last week? And okay, I guess I'm playing him again. Like, okay, thanks. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, as you've said many times, not the worst thing in the world for GPP players if there's soft pricing. It'll piss a lot of people off. Some people will look at it and be like, what the hell are you doing, DraftKings? And then ultimately, it just benefits good players. Right, it benefits good. If it was efficient, if everyone was always, if you got, if you play a 50K lineup and on average got the same amount of points as anyone else, it would just be a, a lottery with a 15% rake. We all lose the rake, yep. Right. Uh, so any anything else? Anything going on in your end? Nope, just uh, still doing a ton of content, as we've talked about, uh, doing another show later tonight on the Monday Night Football slate. Uh, I don't think anything else has really changed, though. Yeah, short show, then. How about you? Not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's been an hour. This is this is what we shoot for, right? Just the right. hour? Right, and then it turns out... I guess out we're a little I, bit late. I, I, talk, I talk a whole bunch more about stuff. I was like, okay. It is... Yeah, a lot, it is a lot of the is. time we do end up going longer. But yeah... Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to throw in some special guests throughout midweek. Uh hopefully getting someone for uh for NBA. Uh it's coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up. And uh and yeah, so theory of daily fantasy sports. Right? Did, did, did people look people will look at the record at the time and go, like what did did a bomb explode in the middle? Or like did they just like fire, we're done, we're done with the podcast, right? We gotta we gotta cut out. But some people, yeah, it's, it's short. People. It's relative. But we we shoot for an hour. It's typically like we want to get to about an hour, and then usually we go a little bit long. But that's kind of the goal. Okay, theory daily fantasy sports, fifteen hour audio DFS masterclass, as well as the advanced course, ten chapters, six hours of audio, plus all of the the Excel tools, the portfolio trimmer, the duplication predictor and checker, and the lineup simulator, and the Portfolio correlation matrix, the contest analyzer, the every we got a ton of stuff that you could just use in Microsoft Excel that'll help you build plus EV lineups and the and the the teachings and the chapters on how to how to do just that. So go check that out. Go pick that up. Theoryofdfs.com.